0: Hello, welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Cubs PS Plus is now part of the Fans First Sports Network as part of Bleacher Bunch Productions, joining great shows like the Sun Ranto Show, Cup of Cubby Blue, and Baseball Rabbit Hole. This will be the first episode cross-posted, and in the coming weeks, the show will transition to that group. I'll continue to have the same focus and schedule, so continue watching for this podcast weekly. In addition to the podcast feeds, you can find me on Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky, and YouTube, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. Love the pod or hate it, please drop a review wherever it is you find your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. You can also support the Cubs PS Plus podcast through Patreon at cubspsplus.patreon.com. There are multiple support tiers, and Patreon members will always have access to ad-free episodes, plus additional perks. Welcome into episode 60, the Manny Corpus episode of this podcast. Corpus, who had earlier been a closer in Colorado, wore number 60 for the Cubs in 2012, becoming one of the first of what would be many post-Tommy John surgery signees by Theo Epstein. The Cubs have added a number of young players to the 40-man roster over the last week, and today I was joined by friend of the pod Greg Huss of Northside Bound and the Cubs on Deck podcast. We talked about the guys the Cubs added, get into a number of strategies for turning prospect depth into a winning big league club, and then we dive into the first year of his bash metric, which equalizes offensive production across levels of the minors in a way somewhat similar to WRC+. Are you ready? Are you ready for some numbers? I'm ready. Here we go. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by Greg Huss of Northside Bound and the Cubs on Deck podcast. Greg, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Always fun coming on and, and chatting. Uh, I mean, I guess prospects is my thing, right? So always yes. always fun talking prospects.
0: Well, and the cool thing is right now, I think we get to have kind of a unique conversation because obviously there's the 40 man stuff going on. But the Cubs, it's, it's winning time now, right? I mean, yeah. last yeah. couple of years, it's been a lot of like, let's build the system up.
1: It's a weird mix right now, right? Like where where my world and and Cubs uh, like Major League bloggers, podcasters, stuff like that, our worlds collide a little bit where it's like, all right, like we're we're competing at the major league level. What can prospects do for me, like right now? Whether it's it's prospects coming up and making a, a an immediate impact or prospects being traded away. I know there's been plenty of the, the Juan Soto rumors. It's like all right, who mm-hmm. can the Cubs trade as far as prospects? Is it James Triantos? Is it is it Kevin Alcantara, who is it that goes in a Juan Soto trade? So like this is the kind of the 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 combining of different worlds, which is kind of entertaining.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to talk about some of that stuff because when you start looking at the value of players, you know Juan Soto was a better player than Pico Armstrong is right now, but what is one year of Juan Soto worth compared to six or more years of Pico Armstrong?
1: Yeah, dude, I, that's that's so interesting. I'm I. I always like like to emphasize. I think because I get a lot of the questions, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh, like what what prospects will the Cubs trade for Soto or whoever it is? And I always preface by saying, like, I trades confuse the heck out of me, man. Like they they are they are so strange, where it's entirely dependent on how other teams view your players, not on mm-hmm. how how the team views your players. Because like you look at, at at years past when the Cubs were trading for prospects, right? When they were getting the those really young, the, the, the U Darvish trade, the Anthony Rizzo trade, the, the Chris Bryant, when they're getting these super young guys, the, the teenagers back in, in trades were like, at the time it was really frustrating because not because of the players we were getting back in those trades, but because of the timelines they were on. Mm-hmm. where It's like, these are all teenagers. They're, they're lottery tickets in a lot of ways. And I think that that now looking at it, it's like these guys have worked out. None of those were, were top 100 guys when the, when the yeah. Cubs traded for them. Not a single one of them was. So um, to have that now and have all these top 100 guys is super impressive from the Cubs' standpoint of, like, identifying who can eventually be those, like, high-end prospects.
0: Yeah. I remember when PCA, when we traded for PCA for Javi Baez, yeah. people were super excited about that from the start. But he was, what, 19 and had played, like, 10 games before he got hurt that year.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, so like... It's Total like being card. able to predict those trades and say like, "Oh, the San Diego Padres they want Kevin Alcantara versus Owen Casey." It's like I do not know. <laughs> you know, like yeah, how, exactly. <laughs> how how can I like I don't even know where to rank Kevin Alcantara versus Owen Casey, and I watch them 120 games a year. So yeah. I like I, I don't I don't know how they would value one guy in a trade and giving up Juan Soto for him. I don't know. That's wild. Right.
0: Well, let's jump in. So that we have some breaking news tonight. Um I think it was earlier this week or this weekend, they added Luis Vasquez to the 40-man roster. And they had three spots left tonight. And there were a bunch of guys up in the air eligible for Rule 5. And they added Porter Hodge, Bailey Horn, and Michael Arias to the 40 So They're sitting at 40. Um, those three those three new ads, what are your thoughts there? Any yeah, surprises?
1: Yeah, so Brian and I went on the Cubs on Deck podcast. We released an episode this morning kind of previewing five – players that seem the most likely to be to be added to the 40-man roster slash selected in the rule five draft um and those three guys were three of the five as well mm-hmm. as cole franklin um and pablo aliendo so um i think all three guys were on our radar however uh i was not expecting the cubs to add three guys i was not i was not expecting i i could I could make a, a very reasonable case for all three of them as to why they were added, obviously, mm-hmm. and I can I can get into details on why they were added. But the fact they added three was kind of shocking. Like I was ex- I was expecting one player to get added, and then I was I was in the boat that I would I would have I would have been more surprised with the Cubs adding two than zero. I I, I thought okay. zero was more likely than two, and they went and added three. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I I like all three players quite a bit, and I think that. Uh, uh, I, I think they were all added for very specific reasons. Um, and kind of running through those, I starting with Porter Hodge is who you mm-hmm. mentioned first. Uh, I think that he was added just because he has some nasty stuff. Uh, I came out, uh, an article article came out at Baseball America I think last week talking specifically about that stuff that he has. Um, just super super unique. You know the Cubs love pitchers that are really unique. He's got a fastball. Well, it's a it's a cutter fastball. Porter Hodge throws it as a fastball. Um, but you know it's weird we like can't name it, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Porter Hodge throw he, he says he throws a fastball. Um, he if you look at all the numbers behind it, he throws a cutter. Um, okay. It's a it's a, a fastball in the mid nineties that has that moves like a, it it has that cut ride action like what the Justin Steele effect, but mm-hmm. it's coming in at ninety five miles an hour, ninety six miles an hour. Um, and he's got a slider that is one of the, the has some of the most horizontal break of a slider in the entire system. And so that's why he was added, was, was the, the crazy stuff. Um, Michael Arias, on the other hand, he was added because he also has some pretty good stuff. The fastball touches triple digits. Um, he comes at a, at a low um, angle where it, it makes it really, really difficult on hitters to pick up on that fastball and get on top of that. Um, and the changeup is really solid from Michael Arias. The slider is still a little ways off. He he throws, he throws some good ones every once in a while, but it's really the fastball changeup. He was added because of the higher upside. Like, he's the high upside play. Um, and then the, the third guy, um, in adding Bailey Horn, I viewed that addition kind of as a need in the organization. Obviously, he's very mm-hmm. good at pitching. He's a lefty um, with a really good sweeper, with some good fastball cut right action on the fastball as well. But he was added because there's not a whole lot of of lefty relievers in this organization right now at the major league level or below, and so it's kind of like you want you want to make sure you you hold on to those guys that you need that position. So all three different reasons why I think they were added, but all three legitimately good reasons why they're now part of the 40 man roster.
0: Yeah, and Bailey Horn. I mean, to the earlier point about trades, like the Cubs got him for Ryan Tepera from the White Sox. Yeah, exactly. Two and a half exactly. years
1: ago. Yeah, yeah, which is wild to think about.
0: It, yeah, it's crazy. Um So I I remember last year I had you on around this time and we talked about the rule five stuff and there was, there were even more guys last year at risk. And, and one of the things you brought up is that because of COVID there wasn't a rule five draft the year before. So everything was kind of double loaded. Um, there really weren't that many guys picked last year and now just a refresher, um, for people who aren't familiar with the rule five, but the rule five, um, was a threshold it's four years in the system or five past.
1: It's, it's, yeah. Once you, if you're, if you're signed at um 18, age 18 or, or, or younger, younger, it's five. And if you're signed at 19 or older, it's four. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And basically it makes sure that you won't get stuck in the system.
1: Yeah. The whole idea of it is so that like, if you are, if you are a good player, um, but you are in a really good, really good, or really deep organization that you don't just get stuck in the minor leagues. It gives mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to, to latch on with another team. If a team selects you, you have to stay at the major league level for the full year. Once once you're on on the the major league team for the full year, you get to stay in the organization. Um, but a lot of times, I it, it cracks me up. I, I think that like with this happening in, in mid November, it's kind of the first taste of like baseball maneuvering because we don't see signings at this point and like, we don't see right. free agent signings or trades at this point so it's kind of like the world series is over this is the first like movement that is happening mm-hmm. but really like it, it's it's big for the players obviously like i, I love yeah. to see these guys getting out of the 40-man roster but like the rule five draft specifically is not very action-packed no. um and and the guys that are selected you'll see a lot of guys get that are that are drafted get returned back to their original team even before the season starts starts up so uh it's just really interesting i the 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 act what what happened today adding guys to the 40-man roster is those are some big moves yes. um the actual rule five draft when it comes around in, in december based on those guys like cole franklin um and Pablo Aliendo that are not added they're eligible for the rule five draft are they selected maybe it, it, it's it there's a chance the Cubs have lost some guys in years past they lost chris Clark in the rule five draft last mm-hmm. year but again he was returned back to the organization this year yep. so um it's just it's funny because I think it, this is what we had to talk about this is and it's good it's good um but it, it cracks me up how small of an impact the actual rule five draft has yes um but I think it's For because the attention it gets. Team, yeah and I, I think it's, it's, it's important because these players are good enough to be added to the 40man roster if they did not add bailey horn or or uh uh any of these guys to the 40-man roster they would be selected in the role five draft i mean yeah. there's a good chance they would right so um well, they and, have to be protected
0: and the kicker is the team that picks them has to keep them on their active roster on their active roster for the full year yeah, yeah. Um, which is difficult so, to do. <laughs> right but like a bailey horn or michael harry you go to a, a bad baseball team they could stash those guys in the bullpen and yeah be fine right now yeah um i, I was trying to think back i think the last one I can really remember the Cubs taking and sticking was Hector Rondon.
1: Yeah, yeah, Hector Rondon was the last one where that actually happened. I know they 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 drafted um, in years following that they drafted. I think Gray Fenter was a the guy they drafted from the Orioles. Returned him. Okay. Um, they drafted. They drafted. Actually, Brian mentioned it too on on our show. Uh, they drafted Caleb Smith, who actually turned out to be a pretty damn good reliever. Uh, for the Marlins, or for uh, a pitcher for the Marlins, oh, that's right. yeah. and then he pitched for a couple other teams. But he, I think he was an All Star with the Marlins. And the Cubs drafted him, but then weren't. It, it was, I, I believe, it was the twenty seventeen. They, they drafted him for the twenty seventeen season. The, the roster was too loaded to keep that version of Caleb Smith on the roster, so he was, he was returned back to the Marlins. Um, and ended up being pretty right. good. We joked on the podcast. It was like that was that was Theo Theo Epstein's way of like bragging. It was like, hey, I drafted this guy. <laughs> I know he's gonna be good, but I can't keep him my, on my roster. So. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So as we step through the off season, so we've, the first moves are clearing out the, the 60, 60, day IL and you've got these now, and I know Jed typically likes to sit 37, 38, 39, just so he has a spot in his pocket to go grab someone like Julian Merriweather off waivers. Um, what do you see cut wise? I mean, cause they're, they're at 40 now, certainly as they sign guys, they'll have to make cuts. Like who do you think is at risk?
1: Yeah, I think some. So on Friday, there's some non tender candidates. Um, that's, that's, that's how, that, that's, that's, Friday, how yeah. gonna, that's how they're going to that's how they're going to limit that. So it's at 40 now. It won't be at, at 40 come Friday night. Um, I think Patrick Wisdom's a pretty good non-tender candidate given the amount of amount of money that he's owed in arbitration this year. Um, so I think Wisdom's a good candidate. Miles is an okay candidate for non-tender. I don't know. I think that they probably decided to keep him around. I think he has value in playing multiple positions. He performed mm-hmm. really well in AAA this year. Um, I think that he's probably someone to keep around. Michael Rucker is probably on that short list of, of non-tender candidates. Um, he's just been kind of l- lying there on the... As a as a non tender or DFA candidate for the past like, yep. few years, but like the, the I think the club really likes what they've seen from him, and he's shown flashes of being pretty damn good. Yeah, he's so, given them just enough. Like exactly, j- just. I was enough, lower right? on him
0: than you last year, but then then he started pitching re- well. For yeah,
1: a while. yeah. So he's done just enough. Um, and then you got the the guys who that have been injured, where it gets really interesting, right? So um, Ethan Roberts, love Ethan Roberts to death, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I think that he's probably on that list. Cody Hoyer, who. dealt with plenty of injury problems since he was acquired in the white Sox. i think those type of guys are probably non-tender candidates um just because they haven't been on the field it has nothing to do with their performance Mm -hmm. obviously ethan roberts was great uh during his time in the minors he earned that 40-man roster uh spot uh going into uh going into what the the season before um and so i i think it's it's one of those things where um that just the lack of them being on the field probably hurts them. Obviously, so I think mean, there's a few candidates there that that can clean up some some openings on the roster, and then Jed can go out and get his Julian Merriweather of this year.
0: Let's talk about go back to Miles Mastroboni and talk about Luis Vasquez. So, um, Luis Vasquez, great glove. Um, I've heard pretty elite defense um, yeah. from the clips I've seen. I totally believe it. Um, Hitting maybe isn't there. But what we saw from Mastroboni this year is the versatility. Like he probably was unfairly treated early having to be the right fielder when say it was out, but he could play third base second. He could fill in it short. Um, he can play some corner outfield and we saw with him, he was able to hit high fastballs and I think the Cubs got him last year right before the rule five cuts, I think basically Tampa was going to have to cut him, Mm -hmm. And so the Cubs and Rays worked out a swap.
1: Yeah, that was that was literally yeah, the, the Cubs uh, sent over. Oh, it was a reliever that was a pitcher. I'm blanking. It, on it his was name. Uh, it was not uh, Gregory Montano. It was uh, uh, Alfredo Zaraga Was yeah. yeah, was the guy they traded away. Uh, yeah, 100 as a they they had too many guys on their 40 man roster. They needed to add some guys uh, to protect from the Rule Five draft. Miles Mastroboni was that guy. Um, yeah, that that was that was a situation where that that was exactly a year ago today that that happened. So, um, yeah, I I think he becomes interesting. He's still got major league or minor league options. Mm-hmm. Um, he he performed pretty pretty well in AAA, right? Like he in his oh, yeah. he had 165 plate appearances in in uh, in AAA and posted a 448 OBP. That'll play. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's tremendous, right? <laughs> he was very very good during his time in AAA and uh he he ran that shuttle between iowa and chicago quite a bit and like you said he was he was forced to, i think that that he got a bad rep just because he that error that he had in right field early on in the season yes. it's like ah crap like then now 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 that's that's what he's kind of known for early on here but um yeah i, I think my i think miles mastermoney has value for sure it's interesting though like you mentioned with luis vasquez like him him being a part of the 40 man roster now luis vasquez is just he's he's Defense is his thing. And and yeah. defense has always been his thing. He's been a tremendous defender at shortstop. And obviously that will play elsewhere. Like if, if you're that good defensively at shortstop, you can oh, go yeah. play some third base. Yep. You can play some second base. I trust him pretty much anywhere. But um, with him being that good of a shortstop, we've just been waiting on for years. He, He's been, been in the organization for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were just waiting on the bat to do anything. Like he just needed to do something with the bat to warrant, like, continuing to getting called up, added to the 40-man roster, stuff like that. Uh, and he did. He hit this past year. He, he ended up putting up, um, what, 20 home runs this season. He uh, had an OPS over the course of A AA and A at 819. He was a really good performer. Um, he was a really decent performer, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. offensively. And that's all he needs to be. He, he he doesn't even need to be an average hitter in order to, to bring value to a team. If he's a below—he can be a below-average hitter and still bring value— uh, not significantly below average because you still need to hit something. Right. Uh, but he can be a, at, at the at triple A at, at at the major league level in um not full playing time. I think that that Luis Vasquez can put up like a a 650 OPS and still bring value because he's so good defensively.
0: Yeah, he's pretty quick too, isn't he? He's
1: he's he's quick laterally. He's not gonna go out there and steal you a ton of bases. I think he had.
0: So he's not as fast as Boney
1: no no and and really not as good of a base runner either so okay. vasquez had, t- had 10 stolen bases this year but also good was caught stealing 10 times okay. um so yeah i masturboney i'd take him on the base running department over vasquez
0: so it's been interesting over the last few years as the cubs have made those trades at the deadline and been building up the system it's been about you know I, i'm never one to believe that you have too many shortstops or too many third basemen mm-hmm. or whatever like that stuff will work itself out um but there also hasn't been that much concern about a lot of the talent was at high a double a now it's more double a triple a knocking on the door of the bigs mm-hmm. and the Cubs are in a position where they missed the playoffs by two games, just went out and spent a record money on a manager poaching one yeah. from their rival. That was, that was a little shocking. Um, and so they're pretty clearly, I think in win now or win very soon kind of mode, maybe not fully all in this year, like 2016, but pretty much knocking on that door um how do you look at it in terms of you know they've got ian Happ locked up for three more seasons say is locked up for three more years They got dansby for six nico for three more um there are now fewer and fewer spots where some of these kids can come up um obviously holes at first base third base center field maybe center field is pca um, but as, as you look at some of the free agent moves i'm never one that says like don't go sign don't go sign Shohei Otani because we have Alexander Canario. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But I think okay. there is a, a line where maybe the Cubs don't want to line up a guy or uh, lock up a guy for five years to block third base, where maybe they have three or four guys that are going to be knocking on the door in the next yeah. two years.
1: Yeah, I get that. I, I, I agree that you got to be careful with who you're signing and how you're. Like, don't go out and sign. Trey Mancini and Eric Cosmer to block Matt Mervis and his development path. That'd be really stupid. But, Who would do that? but <laughs> yeah, can you imagine a team doing that? Um, <laughs> no, I, but I, I think that more times than not, if you are signing a player for four, five, six, seven years, like the, the, the multi-year contracts, more than three, I guess, yeah. like more than three year contracts, it's, that there's a there's a major reason why you're doing that it's because they're a really really good player you're yes. like average to a little bit above average players aren't getting four plus year contracts and so like if you're signing a player that's four plus years sign them don't worry about who your prospects are in my opinion like yeah. even like like look look back at like the Jason Hayward contract right and mm-hmm. we can we could we could revisit that we could have a full podcast episode about that contract but like Jason Hayward was a like was a really good player. He got that long contract and that big contract because he was still very young and had mm-hmm. performed very well both defensively and showed promise offensively to get that contract. So like if you're signing guys because you think they're like they're really good players, go out and get like because you're hoping that these prospects become a guy that can eventually one day go out there and get a four, five, six, seven-year contract. You know, like these, yeah. Al, these Al, the Alcantara, Alcantara's, the, the Owen Casey's, those guys. Like, hopefully one day they can sign those type of contracts. And so um, I, I don't want those ty- – I, I don't want the, the one- and two-year contracts to prohibit a player from their development path. That's what I'm more worried about.
0: Okay. That makes sense, yeah. And it just gets to the point where, I mean, we already know – but in the system, they've got PCA, they've got Canario, Alcantara, Casey, like mm-hmm. a ton of outfielders that are never yeah. going to be the starting outfield in Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah. so you're going to be phasing some guys in and maybe like Alcantara's timeline is maybe it kind of has happened, say, are rolling out of their contracts. So maybe yeah. that's different. Um, but I think, I think ideally the way I look at the organization, I look at like the Rays and the Dodgers, yep. I like the Dodgers model better because they actually spend some money, but like being able to kind of roll guys Kind of continuously. And I think one of the things that got the Cubs last time is all those kids came up together and they had Lester signed and Hayward signed. And so many of those guys kind of stretched out over the exact same window. So as they all were hitting arb together, they got way expensive. They were all going to hit free agency around the same time. Um, And I know Jed's talked about that a little bit, but that's something I'll be looking for this off season to see if they can stagger those lines a little bit.
1: I mean, now you're, now you're speaking my language, Mike. I mean, that's, that's what I've been preaching for the past several years is like this, this rebuild, whether it's called a rebuild or not, this rebuild is just different than the other ones. I, I know that, I know that some of these guys are arriving right around the same time, right? The, the uh uh you got pca arriving at the same time as as canario you got owen casey and kevin alcantara who were who were finishing the year in double a last year but there's a big difference between like right like uh, you you look at owen casey and or let's look at uh, kevin alcantara for example right he is on the 40-man roster but he ended the year in double a tennessee last year he spent Mm -hmm. almost the entire year in in high a south bend so say this year he spends the majority of the year in A Tennessee, and then next year the majority of the year in AAA Iowa. I mean, like, uh, you're obviously hoping for a much quicker timeline because he's sure. because already in the 40-man roster. I've, I've said this so many times. If you're a prospect already on the 40-man roster, once you reach A, you're a call away. So yeah. that's, take what I'm saying here with a little bit of a, a grain of salt. Sure. But like, yeah. say say he's not, like, ready to be a starting major league outfielder until 2020 opening day 2026 rolls around at that point he's still 24 years old Mm -hmm. 25 years old still super (laughs) young but like that's a much different timeline than like pca who is ready opening day next year potentially you know what i mean so like yeah i i i think that they still have different different general timelines matt shaw is another example like obviously he's he ended the year in double a tennessee as well but he was just drafted last year so like what is his actual timeline like will we see him Next year in Chicago, potentially, but will he be ready to be a everyday contributor by the end of the year? Next year, probably not. So, I don't know. I I I still really like, although the guys are reaching the the upper levels of the minors. I think that's actually a really good thing, and I think it's a good thing because you have a situation where they are all progressing and getting past the lower levels, and still these top prospects. They're Mm -hmm. not fizzling fizzling out. You got a guy like Brandon Davis who has fizzled fizzled out, obviously but a majority of these guys that we considered, oh, like they're up and comers, they're up and comers Mm -hmm. they're staying up and comers or they're getting to that level that we hope they would be at as opposed to kind of like, uh, man, we hoped, but maybe now, now we're just hoping for him to be a regular, let alone like a star. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still really liking what I'm seeing with, with the way that the the system is progressing in terms of timelines for these players.
0: Yeah. And one of the things like Matt Shaw is a good example. He came out and, I mean he just tore it up after he got drafted yeah and so it'd be interesting to see go through an off season and see what it looks like starting the season and whether he carries that through or to some extent his sample size was almost small enough that it was almost like a hot stretch but it was a super heated hot stretch
1: yeah it was it was a unique <laughs> hot stretch because it was it was his first his hot stretch was his first stretch in in the cup yeah. system right he got he got 159 total plate appearances uh that that's enough to be you look at 150 total 159 plate appearances that's enough to be not just a like a quick short hot right. stretch yep um that's like there's something there now is he gonna continue to hit 350 um over so. the course of his career <laughs> yeah of course he is no I'm kidding uh <laughs> no he, it's like that's not sustainable but like i if he can be like he he had a he had a 136 bash for me i know we'll get into that but he had a 136 bash for me last year um which was in that many plate appearance, in the 159 plate appearances, the highest bash in the organization. Um, it's it's he was really strong and really impressive. I'm, I'm hoping he's even part of that start starting next year.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, we've, there's been so much focus the last few years on the outfielders, but I like seeing, um, you know, seeing Vasquez and seeing now Shaw and yeah. Jefferson Rojas exploding and Triantos having a big year. Like there's some there's some infield coming too.
1: And I'll tell you what, like I, I think that that's why this offseason I'm I am I am much more down with the idea of getting a I know we need corner infield help. We need first yep. base, third base. Um I'm much more down with the idea of getting some sort of first base first base slash D H type guy. Right? It can mm-hmm. be Cody Bellinger, it can be Pete Alonzo, it can be Juan Soto. I, I I, I don't want to force the issue at third base. Like, I don't think like Matt Chapman to me is not the answer.
0: At that was base. Matt Chapman was basically the question I asked you earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't say it out loud.
1: Yeah. And I, I just think that Matt Chapman is not the answer. I think that what you can do is you, you can't not do anything at third base and not do anything at first base, Correct. <laughs> uh, but like do something at first base because third base, you can, I think you can, you can hold over. And I, 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 I I don't know if I tweeted this out or put it on on our on our 1060 West Discord or where where I put it, but I put it in text somewhere um, that I think you can really be fine if you're the Cubs starting off next year with some combination of of Patrick Wisdom, if he doesn't get non tender of Patrick Wisdom, Nick Madrigal, Christopher Morrell, something there at third base. Just kind of a mm-hmm. mismatch of guys. Right. Ideally, you love Chris Morrell just to be the, the starting third baseman. That's, again, another full blown episode yes, worth of is. conversation. But something there, just long enough to maybe hold you over until you get B.J. Murray up in Chicago, that can maybe hold you over until you get Matt Shaw up in Chicago. I think that, like, there's enough, like, good things going on in the system at third base, that, and then maybe it's like, maybe James Triantos is your guy at third base, and Matt Shaw, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, there's enough going on there that I, I just, I would rather kind of, like, patchwork that, and I think that, especially Craig Council, I think that actually... David Ross did a pretty damn good job of like making that work at third base this past year. And I think did. Craig Alistair could absolutely do a good job where you you, you just kind of make it work. It, it just it just can't be a negative position, but I think it can be an average position there at least holding you over to like like I said, Matt Shaw, James Triantos, BJ Murray, whatever you, however you want to toss that and get better. But I think you can get better throughout the year.
0: Yeah. And it'd be different if we were looking at free agency and all of a sudden like Manny Machado or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, an auto were available out there then sure go get the big star because yes cares? Get the yep, big star. Exactly
1: when Matt when Matt Chapman is your star third baseman of the offseason. It's like mm, yeah. Yes,
0: I mean if you could get him on a three-year deal, maybe then yeah, maybe that's okay yeah. But like I don't like him at five or six years.
1: No, no, I I yeah and I just don't think I don't see a scenario where he accepts anything less than four years So yeah,
0: especially with yeah. this market and yeah. it's interesting with this market too, and, and given the positions the Cubs have Obviously Shohei Otani is the big fish. He's the one mm-hmm. everybody wants um and i think the whole a lot of the market's going to depend on him anyway but like if you're the cubs and you're seriously trying to play in that space obviously if they get him he's the dh for the next six years mm-hmm. um if you don't get him now dh is kind of in play like do you go get maybe you trade for pete alonso maybe you can also sign reese hoskins maybe you can trade for juan soto and maybe also get reese hoskins or Whatever, like you're probably only making one big trade, but now there are more options that open up.
1: I would real, real quick. I would love. I mean, if if I had my pick right now, like right, what might make the most sense? I'm I'm all in for whatever the trade for Juan Soto, and then signing Reese Hoskins. That yes. that would be that'd be my one-two punch with the with the hitters
0: short of Otani. That's, that's pretty much where I sit too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm going to keep trying to speak it into existence there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'd rather be just like put it off to the side and like be super surprised and just like, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, (laughs) that's
0: exactly. Um, I guess. So when we start looking at the trades, I mean, I think obviously we, we sort of hit it earlier. Like, I don't know from everything I've seen the last few years, reading a bunch of different people's opinions. Um, teams just aren't trading like top 10 in baseball prospects at this Mm -hmm. point unless maybe like when the Padres traded for Soto but they were getting two and a half years of Soto as opposed to one year yeah Um, so like who on the who in the system do you think might be in in a trade for a big star whoever that star is like do you think we're up to the level of like the potentially Alcantara Casey kind of at the top level yeah
1: I I that's tough so i i think that that go down the list right so like i i'm getting ready to update my my prospect list uh, over at north Side bound i think we're i think we're uh publishing those updates in probably early december or so it's coming up okay. so, coming up sometime soon i've already pretty much locked in i i've, I've got my top i got my top 50 locked in <laughs> um <laughs> just 50
0: come
1: on yeah we'll, and we'll see how many i can get written up so uh, if you kind of go, so you guys here are getting a, a little sneak peek at the top of my list here. But if you go down the list, right, PCA and Cade Horton, they won't get they won't get traded. No. I I I hate the word untouchable because I think that that's a dumb phrase to use. Every player can be traded for something, but it just like if if I I just don't see a scenario where a trade falls into place place where PCA or Kate Horton get in, uh, get included in that. So then, I got. Kevin Alcantara and Owen Casey at three and four. I think that I think that mm-hmm. that they headline a Juan Soto type deal. I don't even know if they get included in a, in a Pete Alonso type of deal. I know that it's different, right? Because right? Pete Alonso does have some, or what he, do he have two? Or is it this isn't that, he's not a rental, right? He has two years. No, it's after, one
0: year for. Is it a one, one year? Two. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah,
1: I don't even think he gets included in a in a Pete Alonso. I think like no. Kevin Alcantara Kate, and and, uh, and Owen Casey. Those are those are the headliner of a Juan Soto. And then after that, I think it's like, if you're including those guys, it's, it's probably guys outside of like the top 20 after that. You know what I mean? Um, And then after that, then I think you start getting into some guys that I could absolutely, uh, I think these like the, the Jefferson Rojas, Matt Shaw, Jordan Wicks, Jackson Ferris. Like, I I think those guys are more likely to be included in, in those type of deals for Juan Soto or for Pete Alonso or for, take your pick at, at whatever scenario gets kind of thrown out there in, in trades. But I think that that's kind of your sweet spot. Jefferson Rojas feels weird because I, I I'm guessing that he has much more value internally. Like I'm guessing the Cubs yeah. are way higher on Jefferson Rojas. Young. Yeah. Yeah. Than another team is so like he probably gets thrown out, but for a completely different reason, I think like, and then, again, Matt Shaw with, with being, like, he, he's, he's new to the organization. I think your, your sweet spot is, I, I have, like, a tier three, and that starts at the seventh-ranked prospect, which I have is Jordan Wicks, right? So mm-hmm. I think Jordan Wicks, Jackson Ferris, Ben Brown, James Triantos, Moises Ballesteros, Canario, like, I think, I think that's your sweet spot of guys that, like, to look at first to be included in, in, in trades. Now, it may be that the, an organization wants a Christopher Morell or a, a Hayden Wesneski, or something like that That's already been at the major league level then that kind of changes things obviously but yeah, for sure that that kind of seven through 11 that seven through 12 probably is prospects that i would kind of look at first as most likely to be included
0: yeah and you know morel's such an interesting case like he's such a good athlete and as as much as i think david ross did a good job of having third base be you know passable last year um i just don't get any real feel for like they they sort of don't say he's never going to be a third baseman but they never put him there yeah
1: yeah actually so like so their 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 kind of actions as far as christopher Morel goes is that that type of that type of usage is what i really look at in prospect rankings where um like i think that a lot of people were really high on like oh jonathan perlaza should be a lot higher on prospect rankings than a lot of people give give him credit for and i love jonathan perlaza Mm -hmm. he's he's now a minor league free agent he'll sign somewhere else for sure because he might even get a major league deal somewhere potentially um but i didn't include jonathan perlaza up in like the top 30 of my prospect ranking top 20 whatever because if the cubs thought he was that good he would be up i know that there was there was there was outfield depth that he had to kind of sort through but it's like man if, if if the cubs don't believe in him that way should I have him as a top thirty prospect? You know, I saw, like, saw, it
0: it's, saw the same thing with uh, Velasquez too.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Where it's like I see the skills there, obviously. Like w- with Velasquez, he hits the ball hard as hell. Like mm-hmm. he's he's really good, but it's like I, I there, there's a cap to how high I can get him just because like what the Cubs are telling me with their actions. You know what I mean? So like yeah. like Luis Vasquez has has now moved up my prospect rankings because I they added him to the forty man roster. That means that means quite a bit to me in my rankings. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I want to save some time for bash, but I do want to get yeah. into one more guy here, um, and maybe this ties in with Craig Bresla leaving. I mean, the, the Cubs pitching infrastructure, regardless of what council does at the major league level, they've done a really good job. I think of putting in a consistent message across the org. Like they work guys in the same way, but let's take like Cade Horton. So I know there's a lot of buzz about, you know, is he going to be up next year? I think there's certainly a shot. He can be, but if you look at his workload, like he didn't pitch in college until his last year and he threw 53 innings if i'm remembering Mm -hmm. right and then this year he threw 88 in the minors yeah like he's not going to be a 160 innings starter next year but i'm guessing they probably want to push him to like 120 130.
1: yeah that feels about right typically you're not going much more than 40 innings over what you did the previous year Okay. so with him throwing 80 what was it i don't think it was 80 ish 83 88 something like that um, does that include it? Do you know if that included his, his postseason start?
0: I think I it know. did, but I'm not okay. sure.
1: Yeah. So like regardless, regardless, if he's if he's less than 90, he's not going to be, he's not going to be much over 130 next year. That just doesn't really happen. Um, and so, yeah, how he gets used next year is one of the more interesting storylines yeah. entering the 2024 season. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know how he'll get used. I, I've seen... I uh, Greg Zumak has thrown out the idea. Maybe he just gets a late start and he starts the minor league. He starts the minor league season in May, right where he, mm-hmm. he starts in starts in Arizona. He's working, doing his work down in Arizona in extended spring training. Comes up in May, then he can start to get a full workload in, so he can end in Chicago in, in a playoff run. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen I, my my co my other co host Brian Smith has kind of suggested like just going in like three inning spurts to start off his minor league season. Um, but starting at the normal, like, uh, late March, early April timeline, I think that makes sense. I, I, I think I would probably lean toward kind that of stretch method. as he goes, right? Yeah. So like you start off in like two, two innings and three innings, then three innings for a while for like several starts. Then he gets bumped up to four innings. And so, like, he just slowly gets there. Um, that feels more natural than the may start but i get both sides of things because if, he, yeah. if he's starting in may then like he he's just after like he, he can go five innings as soon as he starts pitching in may i don't know man like i i i think that that the the scenario that probably won't happen is that he starts off the season now guys don't really start off the season throwing five innings six innings seven right. innings, anyways like that doesn't really happen in the minor leagues but like i just don't see a scenario where he starts off by going four um and then and in in April in early April that's not
0: I don't well, think and, that and what, it's weird
1: oh, I don't know it's a weird situation
0: yeah and I don't want to necessarily compare them as prospects because Strasburg was like the big star but I remember when Strasburg was up as a rookie the Nationals were in contention and it's like mm-hmm. what are they going to do like he's their ace or was up there as one of their aces and I remember them shutting him down in September of a playoff race and that's yeah. probably like a scenario the cubs definitely don't want to wander into.
1: I think the I think the the situation more recently to compare Cade Horton next year to is what the Marlins did with Yuri Perez this year. Okay. Um I think they 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 shut him down, they sent him down to AAA like there was there was some weirdness along with it. I think that I have to go back and look and, and see exactly what they did, but I think that's probably that's probably your blueprint for for Cade Horton next year is, is Yuri
0: Perez um
1: Similar, they,
0: probably, they kind of got some pause in there, right? It's basically what they did.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And so yeah. I think, with, and, and and those are both similar guys. I think that entering last year, Yuri Perez was a top 30 prospect in all of baseball. Cade Horton is going to enter next year as a top 20 prospect in all of baseball. Like, yeah, I I think that, that that's probably the blueprint. I, I don't know if I don't know if that is. I'm sure there with, with that. I'm I'm sure there's some conversations cross organization. Right to say, hey, is that something that worked for you guys for the Marlins? Is that do you think that, that was was best for the 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 health of it? Because obviously they're not giving giving away uh, uh, clues sure. on how to how to best compete for the playoffs. But like these players are like it, it's a, it's a health standpoint, especially with Kate Horton.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I'm like I know there's a lot of talk about babying the pitchers today compared to past years, but like Kate Horton has real actual injuries. He's come back from, so you really do have yeah. to take that seriously.
1: I think that I think that I would not. I would not be surprised one single bit if Cade Horton made four starts next year in the minor leagues and got called up to the bigs. I I, I don't expect that, but I wouldn't be surprised in any way. I, I think that he is, is, he is, at this point, you see across the league, teams aren't wasting bullets in the minor leagues for pitchers. If the, If the guy has the stuff, which he does, if he won't look completely overmatched, which he wouldn't, Mm-hmm. Get him up to the big leagues, man. Like let's 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 see it's him easy. work. Why <laughs> why waste those bullets in Double in A AA or Triple A? Let's let's help the big league club win.
0: Yeah, and good pitching is uh, a nice problem to have. Exactly. Um, so let's transition to Bash. So I when I had you on first time last year, you were just rolling out Bash, and yeah, you had done the numbers. So it's been a year now. What like how how did it work out for you?
1: Yeah, it was good. So so little background. Uh, it is. This was, you're right. This is the first year of Bash, and and uh, it is the offensive metric that I kind of whipped up. Uh, I am uh, this or last I'd been working on it for a while, but I I, I debuted it last season, at the end of last season, um, and it takes it takes into account multiple things, right? So it's a uh, it's offensive mostly around hitting. It does incorporate uh, stolen bases and caught stealing as well, because I thought that was kind of important. But mm-hmm. um, it is basically you can compare it a lot to WRC plus where. One hundred is league average, um, and then a, a guy bashing uh, one thirty is thirty percent better than league average. Um, it takes into account the uh,
0: ball factors. It's, for Bash it's system average, right? It,
1: it, it is the the system average. Yeah, okay. or uh, well, it, it it crosses. It also takes into account league averages. So okay it is the, the league that they're playing at like the okay, the, gotcha. the myrtle beach pelicans is up against the, the the carolina league so it is league adjusted it is ballpark adjusted um and then it is also age adjusted so mm-hmm. um a uh, guy like david bode playing in triple a last year at 30 years old um, obviously got dinged quite a bit because he mm-hmm. is much older than the average player at triple a um, in the same breath a guy like christian hernandez who on paper didn't perform very well Um, If you just look at his at his slash line and his overall season numbers, you'd say that was probably not a very successful season for Christian Hernandez. And I'd argue that it still was not a very successful season for him. But Christian Hernandez had everything going his way when it comes to bash, right? He was younger than than the average age at his league. He was uh, playing at a ballpark. Well, he was playing at a league that's really hard to hit in in a ballpark. That's even more difficult than the rest of the league to hit in. Um, he really had a lot of things going his way and he was and he was a plus base runner, which helped him out a little bit, yeah. too. So um, Yeah, it, it, it's something that that WRC plus does not take into account ballpark factors. Um, okay. And so that was kind of the fir- that was one of the reasons why I wanted to generate generate this. And then the other reason why I wanted to was because post COVID the, the leagues got really weird in terms of the ages of players there, right? We, we lost the uh, short season league where like you, the mm-hmm. Cubs used to have Eugene. And so guys were much younger playing at, at, at uh single a in Myrtle beach. And then like, it just kind of trickled throughout the organization where it's like, I just don't know what, how old this guy is and how he should be performing in this level. Um, and so I, I wanted to inc- incorporate that. And as far as I'm aware, I don't know of any other stats out there that incorporate age into their offensive I haven't like, seen mm-hmm. uh, values. So um the last thing I wanted to point out with, with, with Bash is that it's not quite as extreme as what WRC Plus is, right? We, we I, I use run values in the same way that WRC Plus uses run values, but mm-hmm. with Bash, like, you won't see – you won't really see a guy bashing one, like, 60. That's not really a thing. Like, if a guy okay. posts a WRC Plus and is, like, has a really good year of, like, 160, it's like, oh, like, he was really good. That doesn't, like – for for bash anything above 130 is considered elite like that's that's like a okay. really really good year uh of a guy being above like 130 or above so like for example i i believe that pca latin in 2022 he was the best in the organization he was right i think it was like one 131 130 he was Sounds right around right. there. yeah um so um this year yeah i was really pleased with how, how it kind of turned out i was excited to see as the season was going on how it would be affected and i was I was constantly having to tweak throughout the season as a guy would get called up, right? If he was if he was uh, younger than average for his time in South Bend, and then he got called up to Tennessee where he was league average, how did that then impact the bash scores? And and that was really fun to follow throughout the year. I had a really fun time following that. So I'm I'm glad that I kind of have a, a final product of, of the season. And as we kind of continue, my goal at some point when when I get any any sort of free time, I don't know when that at all, that'll ever be, but is to go back and and have in doc, like have documented Bash from like previous seasons, mm-hmm. like in starting in twenty twenty one and working our way back. Um, I've done that for like when when I first started working on on this. Now you this talked stat.
0: through some of that last year.
1: Yeah, I did that. I, I went through and and to make sure that I wasn't crazy and what the the stat I was whipping up. But I didn't record those and, and keep those all 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 safe. So I need to go do that. But um, yeah, so really like the the. The leader in the system I, over the course of a full season's worth worth of worth of action. Now, I didn't include I don't include any rookie ball. It's, it's, this is from from Myrtle Beach up. Yeah. Um. And so, if you're it depends on the threshold of plate appearances. If you're looking at at 300 as your your minimum of, of plate appearances, then Jefferson Rojas was the leader. Um. He had a 134 bash. Um, if you're looking for, like, a true full season, Owen Casey was your leader at 131 this year, which okay. makes sense. Yep. Um, I think that, like, those are the two guys generating the most buzz in the system as far as hitters go this year. So uh, I'm glad that it, it, my goal is to make sure that this this stat, for the most part, lines up with the eye test. But what I'm seeing, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that it makes sense. It's not crazy. Every once in a while, I want to see some, like, guys that, that don't. That surprised me obviously right but i if, if something's way off i'm like oh something's wrong with the stat but i didn't get really any any of that this year which is good
0: um yeah so w- that's how i used it for the year so like i'm a regular listener to your podcast and i follow the stuff on northside bound so it's cool to see here the guys you're talking about then go check out where the bash scores were and yeah for the most part they're pretty much there one thing i was looking at this afternoon is i went and sorted instead of by bash i sorted by age okay yeah and if we look at if we look at the plate appearance threshold of you know 300 plus um or actually 200 plus we've got five guys in there bashing over 100 that can't even buy a beer yet yeah <laughs> that's yeah yeah
1: and, and and i think that, that that's that's probably a, a pretty key part of this is that like you do see some advantages in myrtle beach and and those offensive performances from those guys, like from those younger guys, like they'll, they'll stand out like the Jefferson Rojas and Pedro Ramirez and, and Christian Hernandez, like those guys are going to stand mm-hmm. out a little more, a little bit more because they have a lot of those factors going their way. Um, and I th- I think that like the way it should be used is that like, how much stock should I put into a guy in terms of prospect rankings? And I think that that appeals really well to Bash. Where like, yeah, um, like I said, like like David Bodie or like like Miles Miles Mastrabone is a really good example, right? Where where he did I just talked about earlier on the show, like he did have a really good a really solid season during his time in Triple A, uh, but because he's an older guy, it's like mm-hmm. yeah, I can appreciate that he performed well. I can look at the stat line and say he did perform really well. But I'm not going to rank him on prospect I'm not going to say like I'm not going to set my expectations that he's going to be a stud in Chicago um, because that bash score is a little below and it accounts for that age. So um, like with 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 Jefferson Rojas like the hype. The hype on Jefferson roja should be about as high as I can get right now, just because he did what he did at 18 years old in Myrtle Beach, right? So like, right. it's just like that's that's really fun, and there, there's a reason why Owen Casey, at 20 years old, who did what he did, is leading the, and 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 put up damn good numbers too, is doing what yep. he did in in terms of bash.
0: Well, and also if you just sort it by bash, and and some of these are smaller sample sizes, so they're a little bit higher, but I mean. Just looking at some of the guys that just got drafted, Brian Calmer yeah. and Jonathan Long, and obviously Shaw. I mean, you know, it's it's just good to see those guys getting out quick, even though I don't think we know what that means yet.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, it's it's that's the thing with Bash too. Is like obviously. Only like ju- small sample size alert. Just like you mm-hmm. would for any any other stat. Like be careful about that. But it's fun to see. Like it's fun to say. Like oh, like Brian Kalmer bashed one fifty, <laughs> um in in one hundred and thirty eight plate appearances. Like that's wild. That's that's not normal to do that. Um, but it, it's 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 one of those things too. With Kalmer, right? With Kalmer and Jonathan Long, who did one thirty nine. He was second mm-hmm. in the organization, kind of taking off the, the the minimums, but um both those guys they did it and they were older especially calmer was older for their age at myrtle beach like Calmer is 23 years old yeah. <laughs> um performing at myrtle beach he did not get any boost from being from being younger because he was he was he was significantly older than the average age for that level so he just did it because he just put up a 1.107 ops like he just went out there and got after yes. it. 161 ops plus like that's that's crazy so um you can you can kind of improve that score in a variety of different ways i don't don't want to put too much emphasis on the fact that it's just like age compared to level you know
0: sure no but that's certainly part of it yeah so when you were looking through this over the course of the year you said there were no big surprises um were there some guys that kind of made you do a double take here and there
1: yeah i think that the way i think the way that pedro ramirez is Bash continued to rise and rise and rise and rise. His situation was really interesting because, like, he started off the year and he really, really struggled during his time early mm-hmm. on in the year in Myrtle Beach. He got sent down to Arizona for, I think it was two weeks, um, a little bit less maybe. Um, and when he returned, he just started to take off. And he just that that bash rose pretty quickly up to the point where, like, he had a 128 bash this year. Um, he finished just behind Moises Ballesteros and Owen Casey. Um, so that's really, really impressive from Pedro Ramirez, and so like that was really interesting because I think a lot of times you get like these preconceived notions about like what a player is just based on that first month's performance, right? Yeah. Um, I think it, it, when you go in the opposite direction, like BJ, Mar- BJ Murray, great season all, all the way across the board from start mm-hmm. to finish. Like he had a really good year. He 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 put up a, a one thirteen, uh, or sorry, a one twelve bash this year, and just had a really good slash line. Did it in double A. Was was really really impressive um but the first month of the year he had a 130 like he was hovering right around 130 for his bash and so i think that my thought with bj murray was like this is the greatest season ever and then he (laughs) kind of came back down to earth a little bit right the opposite of pedro ramirez so uh, i think those those guys stand out probably the most here um both how the season wore on and then also just like kind of looking back at it now um I think one other guy that I wanted to kind of, it's weird because I've talked about the the guys that were way high. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cole Roeder was, he finished with exactly average. He finished with a 100 bash and he hovered right around 100 almost the entire year long. It was pretty funny. Like he was just kind of wild. He's a wildly average performer offensively (laughs) the entire year. And it's like really like that, that in a, in the weirdest way, like that was exactly what I wanted to see from him this year uh because he'd been hurt he'd been inconsistent mm-hmm. and this year he was wildly consistent like obviously I'd like to see him consistently above average sure. but the fact that he did what he did for the entire year long and you look across the board like all of his numbers like not not just the the, the cumulative bash was average mm-hmm. like everything the the 249 batting average the the 760 OPS, the the uh, the 12 percent walk rate is a little bit above average, obviously. But like he was just he was just he just got it done over the course of the entire season long, and I love that, and I love that he got consistent at uh, uh, at bats too throughout the year. So like that's the building block for him. It's like now he can go into next year in in Triple A Iowa and hopefully get more consistent at bats and continue to just slightly improve on what he's been doing.
0: Yeah, and that's where I mean to your point earlier, once you hit Double A, you're on the 40 man even really once you're in double a yeah just, there's a shot like if yeah. if all of a sudden they need a backup infielder to just be there and take a pinch hit at bat you know like maybe a strump for somebody gets added mm-hmm.
1: um yeah and, and actually one more if, if i'm going if i'm going on the line here and i'm looking at the guys that were positive yeah. the guy that's average one guy that kind of stood out in terms of of he was a really poor performer offensively ethan hearn was rough like he was absolutely brutal mm-hmm. this year in south bend Um, and I'm not one of like, if you listen to, listen to Cubs on deck, like I, I never like, like going in on guys for being poor performers. That's not like, that's not my vibe, but I I think it's important to call out and bash because last year bash really liked him. Um, and certainly relative to, relative to the overall numbers he put up, right? Like he wasn't a top performer in bash in the organization, but compared to the numbers that he put up overall, like he was, he was better than what we gave him credit for. Mm -hmm. And this year, like in, in, in high a in South Bend, like. I mean the the number, like the the, the slash line was awful. Oh, the slash, slash line was was one fifty six, 236, six, two twenty four. Like that's that's as bad as it gets. He had he had the worst bash in the organization at sixty four. Like I said, with with one thirty kind of being the peak, like mm-hmm. that's the elite. You take it the other way, thirty percent bo- below league, league average. If you're below seventy, like that's that's really really bad. So. Uh, that was just a, su- a surprising change of pace. Where like I-, I was kind of like higher on him coming into the year because I was like, oh, he outperformed his numbers. Like I, I thought he was better than what mm-hmm. the num what the the traditional numbers said, um, and turns out that was not the case uh, this year.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, his numbers, he didn't perform anyway. But then that's also where now he's 23 years old and high A ball. Like mm-hmm. you do start to lose some stature at that point, and guys are passing you up in the system, and.
1: Yeah, and he and he wasn't he wasn't taking walks like he had previously. He wasn't hitting for any type of power that I, like I expected to break out with. So it was just it was a it was kind of a full one eighty in terms of what we saw from Ethan Hearn.
0: Yeah, are you planning any changes in the metric for next year? Or...
1: Um, no, I I think that well, y- yes and no. Um, I I don't think there's anywhere that I'm I'm making small tweaks here and there. Uh, I mean I I. I I will update every year in terms of run values and kind of utilizing okay. fan for run yep. values i do that um so those will be like minor minor to tw- like very minor tweaks um and then also uh, with ballpark factors i'll take into account i use baseball america's numbers for ballpark factors every year um and so just the more um the more data i get as far as certain ballparks the more that helps kind of refine uh, the the ballpark factors in this so okay. that'll make a they'll get a, a small tweak i have several things that I, I would love to kind of incorporate or think about incorporating into into bash like a, like i said i'd like to go back in time and and uh, finish some of those some of that work mm. um i'd also like to there's there's part of me and I, i'm not sure how how much i want to do this but part of me is thought about um taking into account uh positional value in doing this obviously okay. like a, a hitter that is playing shortstop. Um, an an average hitter playing shortstop is better than an average hitter playing second base, you know what I mean? Or third, third base. So, um, taking into account positional value, I'm one, I'm not sure how I would go about doing that Mm -hmm. 2 I'm not sure how much I would weigh it. And three, I don't know how much I'd want to take away from the rest of the stat. That's, that's already, already there. So that's something that like I might tinker with and keep separate and, and just do that to keep keep to myself and see how that works i I think that like that also i mean in in addition to all of that that i just mentioned that that adds a lot of work onto my plate in terms (laughs) of in terms of tracking their position throughout the year um so i mean because these guys kind of play all over so uh that makes it makes it a little more difficult but overall not much as far as changes go to bash going going into next year as far as i'm aware
0: yeah it was fun to follow this year i was happy to have it it was i appreciate that fun resource Um, I guess as we head in the off season, like what's, uh, what would be your ideal state as, as from the prospect guy, like some of these guys we really like are probably going to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. I, it's the hardest thing as a prospect prospect nerd, um, to kind of see these guys traded away because I've, I've. Selfishly, I've I've invested time into following these guys and tracking their careers and and uh, and being able to kind of rank these guys and predict what they'll do in, in the major league level. And so I, I it's tough to see some of these trades happen where prospects are going away. Um, but on the bright side, I am I'd say more than more than being a fan. Like I'm I'm a fan of the Tennessee Smokies and the South Bend Cubs. I'm, I'm a fan of those teams. Um, but more, way more than that, I'm just a fan of each of these individual players, mm-hmm. um, which is different than my fandom at the major league level, right? Like I, I'm, I have my favorite players at the major league level, but like I'm a, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. And so I mm-hmm. want the, the major league team to do well. At the minor league level, I want these players to do well. So if they're traded away, if Kevin Alcantara is traded away, I'm going to root my butt off for him to make the major leagues. I want him, for example, DJ, the Cubs traded away DJ Herz, yeah. um, uh this trade deadline for, for Jamer Mercantilario. He just got added today to the 40-man roster for the for the Washington Nationals. Love that.
0: Did DJ Madre, a guy. What say again? Did Made get added?
1: Mate did not get at it. Okay, uh, he did not, but hers did, which is like awesome. Because I, I talked with DJ quite a bit, had him on the on the podcast. Like he was just a great guy. So like I'm rooting so hard for him to succeed at the major league level. I'd love that. Um, and so it just it's it's this weird weird like I'm happy if, when the Cubs acquire major league talent and trade away mm-hmm. prospects. I'm happy for the Cubs to get better. I'm sad to lose this player I've been covering, but I'm also happy for the player because maybe they'll get a better opportunity to su- to succeed at their new team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what I'm rooting for this offseason is the lowest amount of pain in terms of my <laughs> prospect fandom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I look at, like I look at it from the Cubs, per- Chicago Cubs perspective first. So I want, I want a championship team if that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this prospect depth also has limited shelf life right like yeah. you can't just keep alexander canario in triple a for the next five years um yeah. you're going to waste that value if he's not brought up or traded so
1: yeah and i once I like i think that last thing i'll say on that is that like i think that alexander canario is a good com- a good conversation to have as far as like the comps to nelson velasquez right very mm-hmm. similar players in a lot of ways but like i think that the velasquez situation was really interesting because he just didn't have quite as much value based on the fact that he was having to be sent back down to triple a he wasn't logging those at bats in the major league I-, I think he was better than the value he got back in the trade with all due respect to jose Quas, um yeah and so that becomes super interesting and in balancing that like trading guy like trading guys before they start to depreciate in value but also not trading them before like they can potentially make an impact on your team, so mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I don't get paid the big bucks for that. That's a, that's a Jed Hoyer story, and I get to critique him if he's doing it poorly because that's, right. that's just how it works, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, so I appreciate your time today. It's great having you on. I know you got a hard stop. Um, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me um, on the Cubs on Deck podcast. We we post all over on uh, any podcast platform where you listen to Cubs PS Plus. Uh, also, over on the north side bound YouTube page, you can check us out over there and see our beautiful faces. Um, we'll be kind of posting some videos throughout. In addition to the podcast, um, I've been trying to upload some shorts over there. I've been working working hard on that. We'll see how if that continues. Uh, maybe a few a few other video things here or there throughout the offseason That should be fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at out of the, or at out of the vines. You can find the show over on uh, Instagram at Cubs on Deck. Um, all that good stuff you can find me on all the social medias you can find me somehow just search Greg Huss see what pops up
0: great it's always great listening it's great having you on
1: thanks man I appreciate it
0: thank you for joining Greg and I today if you like this episode please drop a rating and a review wherever it is you get your podcasts and share the episode with a friend just a few seconds from you gives me great feedback and helps other Cub fans find the show you can find me on Twitter Instagram TikTok Threads Blue Sky and YouTube all at Cubs PS Plus and check out the Patreon page at cubspsplus.patreon.com to help support the show. As always, the theme music for this podcast is Prospect Park West by Jerry McCoy. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!